Hello everyone and welcome to another Friday conversation. Today I'm talking to Steve Lawler who is a mental health lawyer. Now I'm personally really excited to hear more about what this actually means because although I speak to a lot of people and talk a lot about mental health and law in particular, I don't know really what a mental health lawyer does. So I'm going to hand over to Steve and ask him to tell us all a bit more about himself but also for my benefit tell us a bit more about what a mental health lawyer does please Steve but thank you for joining me. Thank you, Hannah. Um, It's a privilege. So first of all, as Hannah said, my name is Steve Lawler. I'm a mental health lawyer and managing director of my own company, Lawler's Law Limited. And I also run a mental health podcast called The Legal Wolf Podcast, which talks about mental health, not only in the UK, but around the world, the various stigmas associated to mental health and how we can challenge the stigma to normalize the conversation. So that's me in a nutshell. In terms of what a mental health lawyer is, so this is a question that I get asked a lot because when you say you're a mental health lawyer, people's first question is, what's that? Because you don't hear of many, It's not a module that you can take on the LLB and there's not many modules on the LPC that give you the option to do mental health law. So I essentially represent people who are detained under our Mental Health Act, either in a hospital on a section or they're out in the community on a community section and they want to come off their section to either leave hospital immediately and live as normal of a life as possible, to be treated in hospital voluntarily without all the restrictions in place, i.e. forcibly medicated if they don't consent to it, or if they're in the community and they're on a community order, they want to be taken off that so they can live like everybody else. So that's essentially what a mental health lawyer does in, in very basic, basic form. Really interesting. As you say, you just don't come across many and I don't know what, what you got involved in. How, how do you get into that sort of work? Is it something you always knew you wanted to do or were you in another area and moved into it? So I, I didn't know mental health law existed. Um, I was on a VAC scheme at a local law firm on a two-week placement and a new paralegal was being shown around the office. And he was being introduced as a mental health paralegal. And then the following day, he left. Um, and I was asked if I wanted the job as mental health paralegal. Obviously said yes. I'd just finished the LPC. It was perfect timing for me to get into a law firm. But I, I didn't know it existed until that moment really but it's it's probably one of the most rewarding and fascinating jobs that you can do because you're representing an individual who is at their most vulnerable when you see them they've either had a psychotic episode they've had a breakdown um they can be elderly they can be young children as young as 12 13 14 um And you can help them get back to a normal life, be that by getting them some leave so they can go out with staff or go out on their own, 
or you can instruct independent experts to find accommodation for them to be discharged to. It's, it's very rewarding um, and it, it's a very satisfying job. Mm, it's fascinating. How do you, I know we've gone completely off script here. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> um, I just find topics and I think, wow, I want to know more about this. So maybe other people do. How do you um, decompress at the end of the day or the week or whatever, when you're carrying that sort of work with you? So pre-COVID, it was far easier because you're driving from hospital to hospital. So you're, you're not stuck in an office. You're going from one hospital to the other. You're signing up clients. You're viewing medical records. You're reading a lot of reports. And then you're attending tribunals, managers' hearings to advocate for your client. So when you finish for the day and then you get in your car to drive home, that is the time for you to decompress or you're driving from one hospital to the other and you get to decompress that way. Since COVID, the lines have been very blurred. A lot of the hospitals were shut, no external visitors. Some still are shut to external visitors, not allowing any in. Some are. So in terms of switching off and decompressing, you, you you kind of have to either have someone to bounce ideas off in your own home. So if you're living with parents, just just to talk to them, to just try and de decompress and switch off and talk about something else. But it, it I mean, and another way potentially is your office is in a separate room. So as soon as you finish work, you shut the door so you know work's finished, and then you you've got a split um the one thing that i use is i have two mobile phones one for personal one for work which as soon as it comes five half five the work phone goes on silent and that's when work stops and your personal life continues but it's i've certainly had to adapt in the last 18 months even though i've I've worked from home for the last four or five years. Right. So what I'm hearing there that I, I love, actually, is good boundaries. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Create yeah. good boundaries, whether it's with the, the commute home or at least the commute from what you finished into something else, having the different room at home, having the different phone even. So you say, right, this is work time. This is home time. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm sure many of the people listening would all benefit from better boundaries. Lawyers traditionally have terrible boundaries, so I'm sure everybody would benefit from that. But it's good to hear that, you know, even in a perhaps even more emotionally challenging role that you have compared. To, I, I, I know, you know, my family lawyers have a, a difficult time when they're dealing with child and, and family issues yeah. as well. Um, you know, I, I'm just a humble property lawyer, but even sometimes, you know, my clients can get emotional too. But to hear that somebody who's in such an emotional um, uh, work as yourself, and that's the way you do it is good boundaries. You know, hopefully that will inspire other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we started to almost get back onto, onto topic then, um, onto, onto the script, as it were, which was, um, you know, my first question to you was going to be, how much did you work from home before the pandemic and, and March 2020? And therefore, how much of a shock to the system was 
lockdown when it came around? So I've worked from home since July 2018. Um, but lockdown still came as a shock to me because even though I was working from home and doing all the admin from home, I was still going out and about seeing patients in hospitals. And that was essentially the majority of my week going out and about driving from hospital to hospital. And then as soon as lockdown came, it was as if, right, that's it. No more visits, no more anything. Um, and the, the two, three weeks, maybe a month leading up to when we were put in lockdown, when we were going out, obviously COVID was still around and you're talking to the doctors, you're talking to the nurses. And then when you're in tribunals, you're talking with the panel beforehand and you're thinking, should we actually still be going around? Should we still be going into hospitals where there's vulnerable people? Should we not have just stopped doing these and gone straight to, as it was, telephone initially, then it went to video? Um, so, yeah, I think the, the initial two weeks of lockdown was a novelty. Um, it was something new. You, you kind of like it. But then as it went on for it was what five six months the first lockdown it starts to get the norm and you just end up getting in a routine so I was living on my own at the time um you're just basically sitting in front of a computer seven hours a day waiting for stuff to come in to keep yourself busy to keep yourself occupied because you can't go out to hospitals. All, all we could really go out for is one hour of exercise. Yeah. So it, 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 was, it was tricky. Um, and I feel for anyone who, well, not only in the first lockdown, but in the subsequent two after, if you live alone, it's tough being on your own, but you just get through it. I mean... Thank God for Amazon Prime for me. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Well, it's, it's no surprise that so many people have become delivery drivers in the last year. No wonder they need so many. I mean, they turn up at my yeah. house sometimes two or three times a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I know. Um, I know before we started recording, you were sharing with me about the difficulties of doing things like tribunals on, on, on video and not being in person with your clients. Um, did you want to say a bit about how, how that has been difficult through lockdown? Yeah, absolutely. So in, initially when lockdown came into force, we had telephone hearings to begin with, which were even more difficult than video because you can't see your client, your client can't see you. And we were doing files whereby we had a file open, it was open and shut and we wouldn't even see the person. Then it went to video and then video is slightly better because at least you can see the client, but more importantly, the client can see the tribunal panel, they can see me and the community team who attend as well. But it's not the same as being there in person because 
when you're there in person, you, you get to see how your client reacts in terms of their emotions, their behaviours, and you get more of a feel of the room. Whereas on, on video, it's, it's, very, it's very clinical, it's very clean. It, it's very difficult to express emotion or pick up on emotions through a video screen. It's far better if you're there, sat next to your client, so you, you can reassure them a lot easier. Yeah, that, that's what I was picking up from what you were saying earlier is actually it's the support. It's making that client yeah. feel supported by you is obviously much easier in person than it is on video. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, yeah, yeah. So do you see um, it going back to in person for your work or, or more so? Um, I, I don't see it going back to how it used to be. Um, because the legal aid agency have saved a ton of money and the tribunal service has saved a lot of money, it won't go back to how it was because they haven't had to pay out mileage to tribunal panels, to solicitors going from hospital to hospital. So I think there will be some form of a hybrid model mm -hmm. whereby you would have face-to-face -face hearings if you need an interpreter or a British Sign Language interpreter, or if it's a very complex case. Um, and I think the rest of them would be on the video if they're Section 2 cases, if they're automatic referrals, if they're community patients. So I think there's going to be a balance between the two. Mm. But I suspect... If you want a face-to-face -face hearing, you would have to write to the tribunal service to request it, and then it's up to them whether they grant it. And then, depending how many they grant, they will slowly but surely make the margins smaller and smaller, so it's even harder to ask for a face-to-face. -face. Yeah, yeah, no, understood. So what have you found have been your highs and lows of the last 18 months? Um, so I set up my own company in July last year. Mm -hmm. So it was right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, people think you're, you're nuts for doing it. <laughs> but uh, there is no better time to set up a company in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Because if you set up in the middle of a pandemic your overheads are extremely low. And if you get through a pandemic, then once we're out of the pandemic, you will fly. Um, which, I mean, in terms of highs, obviously being a consultant, uh, Amanda Cruikshank solicitors, doing my mental health work. I did a, a talk for the UN peacekeeping mission in Mali on men's mental health. Wow. Um, set up my, my podcast, which is in 71 countries oh. yeah over 26,000 listeners it's it, it's it's been phenomenal it, it it really has and if anyone is thinking of going self-employed do it <laughs> because you will not regret it um i it, it was the best thing i ever did you have the freedom you have the um, 
the the choice, the flexibility to choose what you want to do. Um, and that is just priceless, absolutely priceless. Mm. Oh, I, I love that, Steve. You, you, you may know I have another podcast, Build Your Legal Business, which is specifically for self-employed lawyers. So perhaps I will invite you to share more of your journey on that podcast. Um, not that I, I don't mind you mentioning how wonderful it is on this one. I'm, you know, I'm a huge advocate for self-employment. I'm actually coming up to my 10th anniversary in February next year, 10 years self-employment. Wow yeah um it, so yeah I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for it myself so um perhaps we will have a more in-depth conversation about how it was setting up and you know the ups and downs of that um on, on, yeah. on the other podcast perhaps um but yeah I you know I'm, I'm totally with you you know I've, I've heard for years that you know setting up any business in a recession is about the best time to do it and and as you say yeah. why not recession and pandemic perfect um yeah fantastic so what have been the what have been the low points and I know you mentioned living on your own is very hard um at the start of the pandemic but what what have you found difficult this past 18 uh, I think um there's go going self-employed in in the first year of business you have that pressure you you want to do the best that you can you're trying to get work in and you you kind of work so hard that you kind of lose some of the boundaries between work and personal yeah and I think once you get your head around the fact that being self-employed there's obviously a lot more responsibility you tend to live with it a lot easier and that's what I found initially when you go self-employed, you have people saying, oh, well, I hope it works out. Why are you going self-employed? They start to put the doubts. Oh. And that's kind of a low point. Another low point was obviously living on my own, even though I obviously coped, managed. Um, you, you just miss that social interaction. Um, hence why now I've moved back in with my parents and currently selling my own house really? just to have yeah yeah just to have obviously there'd be more financial security once the house sells um, but yeah I, I think if it wasn't for the pandemic I don't think I would have well I wouldn't have sold to move in with my parents I would have sold to move to a bigger place but I think the the pandemic has changed the mindset in that mm. what wanting you to have more security more more security but also having people around you ah yeah um because of what what we've all been through in the last 18 months with covid it kind of refocuses your mind as to what's important and what isn't necessarily that important yeah yeah no absolutely I had a very similar conversation with with the podcast guest um earlier you know exactly the same a resetting of, of values if you like or re restating or realizing again what's important we may have forgotten in yeah. all our busy lives um yeah 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so I have, before I ask my last question, which you know about, I, I, I'm going to throw this one at you. I don't think it'll, I don't think it's a curveball for you, but given all your work in mental health and with the very extreme other side of the, the spectrum, if you like, if we talk about, I mean, I talk about mental health on the sort of stress and anxiety side all the way through to, to, to the work you do. Where, what do you think about lawyers and the legal profession and how stressful it, it is as a profession and the, the, the suffering with mental health, I think, is that happens? What's your view on it? So I think the law is not inclusive of mental health. It's exclusive. So I, I mean, a, a clear example is is me on my training contract um and i'm in my, f my my family seat for six months and i was driving into work just wanting to crash my car and not be here anymore because it it was it, it was really bad um but because you're a lawyer you don't feel like you can talk about it because you're going to be accused of one of three things. Either you're weak, you can't do your job, and you would lose the respect of your fellow peers mm -hmm. because they are of a certain generation that don't understand what mental health actually is and the impact it can have. Mm -hmm. um, I feel there is a disconnect between employees and management, um, which I, I, I don't know how easy you can get around that. Um, it's, it's, it, it's very difficult. The, the sooner lawyers learn to realise that, yes, your clients are important, but so are you. Mm. And if, if you don't look after yourself, how on earth can you look after a client? Mm. Um, lawyers need to start putting their themselves first and looking after their own mental well-being first. Because if, if, if you don't look after you, how are you supposed to look after a caseload of 60, 80, 100 clients? Um, so I, I think I would like to think we're starting to, to change because I think the younger lawyers coming through, the paralegals, the trainees, the newly qualified, have that understanding of mental health. Um, but it's going to take time for the whole profession to adapt to that, but also accept that this needs to be discussed mental health needs to be discussed just as much as physical health yeah yeah no no absolutely i couldn't agree with you more i think we are seeing the shoots of change um you know i for example i know i've got so many younger lawyers coming to work with me um you know coaching on the the anxiety and stress which is you know not what i expected five or six years ago i thought i'd be working mm. with people who were you know 35 40 at that stage where they're trying to juggle family commitments and what does the future hold and things but actually i have so many whether they're paralegals trainees or newly qualifieds coming and they're investing in themselves saying i want to manage my stress and anxiety 
anxiety and things now you know and and it's fantastic so i totally agree with you the younger generation um are aware of it they're not afraid to talk about it you know and and that is wonderful um and i have seen some shoots i know you mentioned the the sort of um issue between employees and and managers and things and i know i saw um i think it was on linkedin a lady sharing that her manager had messaged her to ask her how she was and the culmination of that discussion was her manager saying you need to take a couple of weeks off and I thought how brilliant is that you know the manager asked they probed and this was just through text messaging they probed and they got to the point where they said you need to take a break now was was that in the UK yeah wow okay So there are some out there. It is happening. Mm. Mm. Good, because I think it is the change that's needed. Um, I mean, I I feel sorry for people at university now studying a law degree. They're looking for training contracts. Mm. The stress, but the pressure on them to secure a training contract is it's it's unbelievable um i mean who who knows the sqe might alleviate a lot of that pressure and stress for 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 students um and then you've got the solicitor apprentice route as well um but there there is a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. on students well all, all students yeah yeah i think you're absolutely right there is but I hope everyone having more conversations like this and like you do on, on your podcast, you know, we'll, we'll keep, um, keep helping to, to improve things. Yep. So final question, what have you learned in the last 18 months about yourself or about your work or your profession? Um, so I think in terms of what I've learned from the profession, I've learned that the legal profession, when it's pushed, it can get into the 21st century. This is the <laughs> quickest I've known the legal profession move. They've, they've embraced technology. It's like, wow. I mean, they've finally arrived. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's took a global health pandemic to get us there, but we are finally there. And hopefully we will start to see some benefits and rewards from it. Um, in, in terms of what I've learned about my, myself, I've learned that I can run a company, I can run it successfully. I've had to take on a lot of new knowledge about accounting. Um, I've, I've grown tremendously as a person over the last 18 months with everything being self-employed with going through a global pandemic um it's 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 been very refreshing to be self-employed and you you're learning as you go but it's very rewarding as as you pick up new things, as you learn, um, I've 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 learned uh, a lot in the last twelve months, and yeah, I, I I genuinely do believe it is the best decision I ever made. 
oh. to go self-employed. It really was. Mm. Oh, well, I'm personally very pre- pleased to hear that. Lo- uh, loving it, the model as much as I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thank you for joining me, Steve. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you and have this chat with you. And um, I, I think perhaps we will have another chat another time. Yes, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. If anyone else would like to join me for a Friday conversation to talk about your experiences in lockdown, please do get in touch. Thank you.